Hi, this is Caleb Stokes, and you're listening to Microphones and Madness. This Saturday night, Microphones Madness. Uh, this is June 11th, 2016. Uh, we are live. Hello out there, as you can tell by all our various uh, malfunctions and whatnot. Uh, tonight we are talking about Cthulhu Safa, Tales of the Black Gnosis. There you go. Beautiful and it has to be said exactly like that. Anytime you say the, the title, you have to say Tales of the Black Gnosis. Um, edited by Scott R. Jones, published by Martian Migraine Press. Uh, when did this book release? Two weeks ago? A week uh, ago? No, it was, it was longer than that. It was like, uh, has it? The 24th of last month. It was the 23rd of, of May. I think I'm sleeping more than I think. I'm pretty sure it was the 23rd of May. Well, that would have been... That's what it says here on Amazon. Would have been two weeks ago. Uh, or so. This one will be about... I got it early because I pre-ordered. Ah, you did, you, you clever man, masculine, clever. Well, I got man. it a week early. <laughs> a week early, because I pre-ordered. Because you pre-ordered, because yes. you're badass, and you you won a prize. I did. I haven't gotten my prize, but I won a prize. Hey, hey, hey! I'm not complaining. I'm just saying when I actually get the prize. Since I already have a copy of one of those books, it might be going up as a super special random gift to somebody. Ooh, nice. All right, so... Who did we start with last time? We always start with me. Right, so this time we're starting with Kim. <laughs> right. Although I think we... Actually, I think we always start with Kim. It's a it's a ladies like to pick on me. It's a ladies first policy. That's what it is. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So, you're the closest you... thing we have to a lady. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so remind me how far we were going with this, because I, I read um, I read ahead. I got up to number nine. So okay. the the the, uh, the ninth entry in the book. Okay, how about you, Steve? Um, I have finished the story um, Antinomia. Okay, so you're only one story ahead of me. So, yeah. Okay. I don't know how far it came down. I am on number 12. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, Rodney, Emperor Eternal is where we were. That was our cutoff of the half, so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's about half. Okay, so, um, so far it's been pretty good. Um, I've only, I've only had one that I really didn't get all excited about. And the rest of it is actually pretty freaking good. How dare you not get excited about a story in a Martian migraine's I know. Book. I'm terrible. 
It's the best kind of headache. I know. Actually, I, I, I wouldn't know. But anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> All right, so, yeah, Steve, what are general impressions? Um, well, we were actually talking about this earlier, maybe a couple days ago, mm -hmm. that uh, my expectations have actually been met. Oh, nice. Um, I, ha I was going in here thinking one thing, and pretty much that one thing is what it is. It's hearkening back to Scott's interview with mm -hmm. us, where he said we are not telling stories of people who are defeated by cultists. We are telling stories of people, of the true believers. Mm -hmm. and, about the cultists. and that's what basically this has been about is the uh, other side of the Eldritch tracks right right yeah um, I'm find I'm finding that my expectations were met um, maybe maybe not all the way but you know I I, I can see that I might have been like having had the wrong idea. <laughs> um, I guess you elaborate why you have an idea. Well, it's because it's me, <laughs> and you know, and I was I was expecting a little bit beyond. And and granted, this much like every other anthology we've discussed, we we're only part way through. Right. So once yes. I get to the end of the book, then I'll tell you really. If my expectations have been fully met, but so far it's a solid anthology. Yes. Um, and I suppose for those of those who are watching or, or listening later, who don't know what the book is about, we should probably tell them what the theme is. Yes. Because this is a like very high concept theme. Now, would you like to sing the Steely Dan song, or would you like to recite the uh, Vista Vow? Well, let's just let's go with a, a general thought first, okay? And we'll, we'll go from there. Now, the subtitle of the book is "Tales of the Black Gnosis." Um, what the Black Gnosis is is a concept introduced in Scott Jones's book "When the Stars Are Right" toward an authentic Rulean spirituality. Uh, it's a nonfiction book. It's also available through Martian Migraine Press, I think. And uh, yeah, it's it's part of the inspiration for this anthology. Um, basically, the idea, as I understood it, was that you know the anthology tells the story from the from not just from the cultist point of view, but the what the revelation of seeing things the way they are in terms of a of a you know, weird fiction kind of universe in 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 a lot of lovecraft stories seeing the truth of reality drives one to madness drives you know into despair right mm -hmm. um, and and basically the people just pull their hair out when the the universe is turned well, on its head it, and in the in a lovecraft story they faint Hmm. Oh yeah, they faint. Right, they faint. Okay, faint. They're basically their minds are crushed by it. They're 
they're defeated by it. But then what? Right, and, and the story just basically ends with probably horrible death. Yeah. Death, madness, suicide. In, in this anthology, they, they turn the idea that this revelate what this revelation brings to the world. So we get it from the cultist point of view, so it's almost kind of a positive spin, but not really. Right. But it's almost not really about cultists. Cultists, a lot mm -hmm. of times in this book, are portrayed as the people who sing and chant, and they don't really, they haven't really seen mm -hmm. the. Well, yeah, there's there's a lot of that as well. Yeah. The protagonists are the people who have seen beyond the veil, and it has affected them profoundly. Or it does, or in the process of seeing beyond the yes. veil. In so fact, there is a story called cultists. Beyond the Veil. There is. The most foreign of That most foreign of Yeah. That was a good one. That was. Uh, so, so yeah, and in, included in this in this anthology, um, it opens with a poem by uh, Brian Thalwara, The Pearl in the Shadows, uh, which I thought was a really good opening. It has kind of a scriptural feel to it, like... Uh, mm -hmm. Uh, like you know, you're opening like, a hymnal. Yeah, like kind of like you're opening a hymnal or you're opening a scripture. And the, in the book itself, the stories are arranged in in a way that is almost scriptural as well. Um, you know, we get to the middle of the book, and we have uh, at the left hand of nothing. You know, which which reads very much like scripture. You know, and then we have the Cthulhu Sabbath uh, in there as well, so it's 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 really neat to see how he's laid it out and how the stories have are progressing in what we are shown from the folks who have uh, achieved this black gnosis. Well, Scott is definitely a thinking man. Um, he puts a lot of thought into into what he does. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> that was evident uh, both in When the Stars Are Right and in the previous anthology, which we can't talk about because of conflict of interest. No, you can talk about that anthology except for that hack, uh, Turner. Turner? Yeah. That's the only one I, I have. I have his uh, autograph on that. The only, he's the only one dumb enough to give out an autograph to me. Yeah, yeah, you should cut that story out of that anthology and burn it immediately. Um, and and like you said, this one, he he, when we, when we were talking to him a few weeks back, um, he was talking about his themes and mm -hmm. how he sticks to the theme. And there were a lot of stories that he said were great stories. Right. And probably, if the theme wasn't so tight in this anthology, they would have made it in. But mm -hmm. because he was focused on this black gnosis, gnosis and the, uh, we'll call it the Jim Jones perspective of Cthulhu, um, a lot of these stories that were submitted did not make it because they, they weren't, 
from the cultist point of view. They weren't about the spirituality of the mythos. Mm-hmm. They were just, you know, really good, but typical, typical stories. Right, right. I, I think on the whole, the concept of Cthulhu Sapa is deserving of a sequel. It's something that uh, should be explored in a lot of detail. Because it, it it is kind of refreshing in a way to see it, it that yes it's it's horror but it's kind of a different spin on horror because it's not you know it's not horror that's you know explicitly bound to the uh, the Judeo Christian mythology you know where some of it is some of it is but it's not explicitly bound to that. Right, and you know, and it's 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 nice. It's uh, it's kind of a, 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 I would say, a breath of fresh air to see how, you know, the the madness takes over, but it's not like the end. Right. The madness is just the beginning. Actually, actually, if you take the last bit, not all the action parts, and not the running and hiding and backstory of Shadow Over Innsmouth, just the last bit mm-hmm. where he feels the call of the sea. Right. That's what this is. Mm-hmm. Embracing it rather than resisting it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yes. Yeah. Embrace the darkness. <laughs> Embrace the madness. Hashtag. Oh. Um. Yeah, I'm just going to get rid of the name tag because I botched it up and didn't get anything on there. Um, Man, this is my best one yet. I don't want to get rid of it. Okay, you don't have to get rid of it. Man. And and her ladyship doesn't have to get rid of it. Jeez. All right, so. uh, Take three. Yes. Which story did you like the most? Oh, it's a... The, my favorites, a toss-up. My favorites are a toss-up. Wait, who are you calling a tosser? <sighs> Not I th- me, I hope. I, I think the answer is as clear as your name tag, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> so is it pronounced Constantine or Constantine? I, I don't think he got back to it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So well. yeah, my two my, my two favorites since since we since we brought it up, my two favorites so far have been uh, we're gonna we're gonna go with with my my American way of doing things. Uh, Constantine Paradeus, Emperor Eternal, and Jamie I knew Mason's. That. Yep, and Jamie Mason's Mister Johnson and the Old Ones. God those have been my you. two favorites so God far. God damn you, those are the two I liked. <laughs> <laughs> Although I did like Pearl in the Shadows, no, and, I, and uh, I did have a special affinity for uh, at the left hand of nothing. Uh, I, I also like that. Well, we'll, we'll get into that later. Yeah. So, what about my, Kim? My favorites. My favorites got to be Mother's Nature. That one, it really drew me in, and it kept me the whole way through. Um. I don't know if it was just the subject matter or it was just the prose or the style, but 
it, when I was making use of this one, <laughs> there is that. Uh, no, uh, but when I, when I was making notes on this, the first thing I wrote on that was, "Damn," and that really sums it up for me. Damn, that was a good story. There's a uh, interview with her on her website. Scott interviewed her. Stephanie Elric. Yes, sorry. Ah. Um, we'll, name, I guess we'll put it in the show notes. But if you go to stephanieelric.com, mm -hmm. uh, Scott interviews her about the story. Um, I think there's also a series of interviews on Martian Migraine Press's website as well. There could be. With several of the authors. This one was, was just linked in the... In the um, Book notes, the author notes. Nice. So I thought I'd bring it up. Excellent, excellent. What about you, Steve? So your your well, two favorites. Well, stole mine, but um, actually, I also did enjoy uh, 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 messages and uh, that most that most foreign avails. Yeah, I, I that most foreign avails when you get to the the climax. And it, the 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 actual revelation part is absolutely beautiful. It, it really is. And at first, when you read it, you're kind of like, "Oh well, what the hell?" Yeah. But just parsing through the entire story, mm -hmm. um, I have extensive notes. So um, I just like how it was revealed bit by bit. Mm -hmm. Because it starts out, and you're thinking there's absolutely nothing hinted. You actually would be thinking, oh, these two women, they're Arabs, and they're traveling on a plane. Oh, no. But then as it moves on, um, you realize that they're sisters, right. and they are, they've drawn apart from each other. Mm -hmm. And as they journey to basically the edge of the world. Mm -hmm. They're going to North Bumfuck, Canada. Alaska. Alaska. Yeah, via Canada. Via Canada. All right, well. Seward Purchase notwithstanding. They, they actually get closer and closer, and you, you kind of think, wow, there's going to be reconciliation. Mm -hmm. Then the shit hits the fan. Just at the point where you're actually caring about the characters, the shit hits the fan, and it basically serves to wipe out all the humanity in this woman, so she can sally forth to her destiny, do what she was born to do, and you know, spoiler alert, she's an Alzarahead. So yeah, spoiler alert. Yeah. Um. Destiny plays into a lot of these stories. I kind of think it would because of the nature of this yeah. subject. So. But I, I like it. It was very well written. Mm -hmm. And uh, thematically, it, would, it fit very nicely into the whole thing. And the little revelations that popped out at you as you were reading were really cool. Mm -hmm. Now, what, what, what was it about Messengers that jumped out at you? Oh, I like the idea. I like, yes. I like the idea of having uh, Christmas and Easter cultists. 
I like the dichotomy between like the true believers, the ones who actually have just been so fed up with what they've been told all their lives to believe in and led shitty lives because of it mm. or in spite of it. There's that whole, um, well, if, if God is so good, why are people starving all over the world? Blah, blah, blah. You know, that whole argument. Mm -hmm. And the woman, the main character of this story, finally just gets fed up with this belief in this God that does absolutely nothing for her. So she turns to, turns to uh, the big N. That would be Naira Lathotep. Right. Also, a, a little a funny bit of that story was the guy that had the plastic surgery done to get the Insmith look. Yes. Well, those are the, the those are the cultists. Right. The cultists. Yes. Those, those are the the Christmas and Easter cultists. And, and and in a lot of ways, and in a lot of ways, that story kind of like flips it on its end because we're we're seeing the cultists take on the role of the typical Lovecraft protagonist. It's like, you know, oh, yeah, we're, you know, mm. oh, you just book for yeah, yeah. Right. And, and then they're confronted with the real deal. Right, and they get confronted by the real deal. And and then at the very end, you, you think even the true believers who are, you know, doing this thing have their moments of doubt where she finally realizes that um, at any moment this could happen to her daughter. It's about a mother and daughter traveling to do stuff for the cult. Mm. And she converted, but her daughter kind of has been in it from the beginning. Right, right. So she's uh, Tom Cruise, and and her daughter is what, Surrey Cruise? Is that the kid's name, Surrey? Or she's like, the daughter's like Beck who was born into the cult, mm -hmm. where Beck's parents converted into Scientology. There you right. go. All right, very good, very good. Um, yeah, I mean, overall, these, these, are, these are great stories. Um, there's a little something for everybody. As you've noticed, uh, the three of us have picked somewhat different favorites. Um, you know, Steve had a backup set of favorites because he picked the same favorites as me. Kim had her favorites. And, yeah, there's there's a variety of storytelling in here. Um, there's there's poems. There's the Cthulhu Sapa Vow. Uh, a lot of these stories are, like, perfect reading length if you, like, are, you know, waiting for something. If you're sitting at home and you're waiting for something after you've read this book once, this is also the kind of book that you put on your shelf and you're sitting, you've ordered a pizza, you're waiting for the pizza to arrive, you grab this book, you read a couple stories, and, you know, you're good for a while. After you read it all the way through once. And it does. It lends itself to repeat readings because there are little odds and ends in each story that uh, you do kind of have to glean with multiple read-throughs. Yeah, for certain, yeah. I've actually read two of the stories over mm -hmm. to get it. Yeah, and you still haven't gotten it because I can see in your eyes you are 
still constrained to sanity and reason. <laughs> Sorry. Is that better? You saying I have an ends before? Is that what you're saying? No, it's the Alistair Crowley thing. Oh. Oh, yeah, there you go. Right, here's my version of it. <laughs> Hi, ST. Um, <laughs> we'll get to that, man. We'll get to that. We're focusing on the positive. The positive. Right on. Yeah, the, positive, in here. the positive of the negative? That's kind of what it is. I, I guess you could say that. Um, so, yeah, let's let's talk about Mr. Johnson and the old ones. Because I've been waiting all week to talk about this. The cadence of the prose. I know. It, it, you can almost hear Robert Johnson playing while you're reading this story. And, and the fact that he's pissing off H.P. Lovecraft with the blues. Yeah, and usually an appearance by H.P. kind of makes me want to go, ugh. Yeah, usually, yeah, you're right. You, we've complained about it before. H.P. Lovecraft making an appearance in anything is usually cringeworthy. This is probably the best use of, of Howie in a story. Yeah, because it got really... Like meta, like Godel Escher Bach meta, like mm -hmm. they popped out of the the context. Yeah, and I mean, at some point they say they hint that Lovecraft made a contract with the with the uh, great old ones by writing his stories, mm -hmm. and that existed in another reality. Right, and now he's in the reality of. The story's context, mm -hmm. kind of by a baby. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have, you know, the legendary Robert Johnson, who sold right. soul to the devil. Yes, if you don't know who Robert Johnson is, man, go go talk to Farah, so she can beat you within an inch of your life. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then go listen to some Robert Johnson if you're still living. If that inch is enough. If you haven't been slaughtered by a Robert Johnson record, go get yourself slaughtered by a Robert Johnson record. Slaughter your ear holes. No. But yeah, I mean, I, I love it. I mean, there were there were Johnson lyrics. Altered Johnson lyrics. Altered Johnson lyrics throughout <laughs> the throughout the piece. Yes. Um, and and like I said, the the, the prose is lyrical. You can almost hear the narration being sung to you as you read it. Yeah, I mean, it really takes you down to your neck of the woods mm -hmm. in, like, the turn of the century. Yeah, it's really true. Or, or 20 old, years ago when I was last old, down there. His old, ne old neck of the woods. My old neck of the woods. Down the bio. Out by Lily's house, <laughs> Um, and it, and yeah. another cool thing is because in the context of Lovecraft, mm -hmm. 
Louisiana gives you that picture of the naked guy, the naked black people in the swamp with chickens cruising, circling around the Cthulhu idol while the the white police inspectors raid them. Mm-hmm. Straight from Call of Cthulhu, and the the characters that you meet in this story who are quote unquote cultists are so fucking far from that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're everybody else in this story is just kind of like normal, and HP is like the raving lunatic. And yeah, I should say scared, there is there is some harsh language in this story. Yes. If you're particularly sensitive to it. Um, no punches. No punches were pulled in, in, in the dialogue. Which which was kind of nice as well because you know it it gave it gave you just gives you a little bit of authenticity to it. Yeah, yeah, authenticity. You know, it's like yeah, but it's not done in a way where. <sighs> okay, I'll say it because the guy. This is the anniversary of his death. When Robert E. Howard uses that particular word, mm-hmm. it is in a derisive. And demeaning way, right? And we're talking about the N word. Look at Black Canaan, where that word is said more times than in Blazing Saddles. Right. Where it's just it gets to the point in that story where you're just like, okay, we know you don't like black people if you use that word. Right. It's no longer colorful patois. It's it's just ruining the story. Right. Here in this story, because it's the same region same type of people who are being talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, it is used as part as the everyday language and how it would be used. It's not overused, but H.P. Lovecraft was a racist. Right. Who would use that word in the context that it's in? Mm-hmm. There you go. And, and Mr. Johnson has a few things to say about that. Yes, Mr. Johnson does. So does Mr. Johnson's door. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not his door, but... Mr. Johnson's friend. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. And that story also makes the the devil, Satan, look like a really good guy. <laughs> well, now, now we we assume we assume that the O oh Lord uh, Johnson's talking to in this story is the devil. You can actually assume that, but I actually... Capital, a, capital T, capital D. I had a lengthy conversation with Scott Jones about this very subject, mm-hmm. and uh, he confirms that it is indeed the devil, capital T, capital D. Because I originally thought that they flipped everything, and when Johnson had sold the soul to Crossroads, it was to Jesus, because it was in opposition to the mythos, Right. And the choices that are made plot-wise with the babies. But it is a Hobson's choice, which is what Scott kind of reminded me of. And he said, it's it's definitely. His words were, it's the other one. <laughs> right. Well, I, I wasn't thinking that they would have fl- that it was flipped in that direction. I was thinking that, you know, the, the devil... Could be any cosmic being that whose purposes are 
not aligned with the cosmic beings that Howie serves. Um, but, you know, yeah, you can say the devil, and, you know, in a way, what's being done, yeah, to one degree is not nice. You know, sacrificing children to the Migo is is not a pleasant thing, you know, from any type of reasonable... Right. To a reasonable morality. But when you when you realize that this sacrifice prevents, you know, it's one life for hundreds of millions right. at that time. Which is, you know, a common theme in, mm-hmm. in religions around the world. Right. Aztecs, the Mayans. You, you, you get that. Mm-hmm. Where you have blood sacrifices to make the crops grow or whatever. Right. So. Right, and, and, and it sort of runs to into this better to reign in hell than serve in heaven kind of thing. Right, and um, and here's the other thing: no world, the state gets nothing. So it's still in Satan's best interest to keep the status quo of the world intact. Oh yeah, because without the world, where do you get your people who are going to sell their soul at the crossroads to you? Well, that and, you know, if you remember your good old-fashioned Southern Baptist fire and brimstone... I don't. This world already <laughs> belongs to the devil. I, I don't. Because so the devil is making sure he's keeping his property. Taking your word for it, Mr. Bio. Yeah. <laughs> so, and the devil rules over this world. Oh, good Lord. It belongs yeah. to him. But yes, you are correct. The, so anyway. the, the evil god. Yes. Um, so, I'm going to say, even though we're part way through, we still have another episode on the on this book to do. Um, buy this book. Yeah. Yeah. If you um, buy a physical copy, I believe you also get a digital copy. Is that still going on? I know we will have to. Um, Don't quote me on it. But Mr. Jones, if Mr. Jones is watching, uh, please tweet me and let me know if that's still the case. That way you could uh, read the book and take notes without damaging the pristine, beautiful cover of the book. You know, if you want to take you take notes, take notes on paper. Or on your iPad. Right. So, way, yeah, just just so you know, now that I've flashed it in front of the camera, there actually were words on this page that I kept looking at. <laughs> that way, when you run into someone like Jamie Mason, author of Mr. Johnson and the Old Ones, or Constantine Paradeus, I'll just hedge our bet on the pronunciation there. Uh, author Look, man, how long did it take me to say Victor LaValle correctly? You can get it. You can get your pristine copy ruined with their ink instead of your note fan for girl gushing. The unholy scribbles of mad prophets. Because all inside this book. I do want to say that the ever eternal story. My first note on this thing was. This dude has played Masks of Nyarlathotep. 
It totally did. It's like, it's, it was all there. I was like, you fucker, you're giving it all away. Oh, damn it. <laughs> no, but seriously, he, he definitely hit the the uh, Chaosium beats of Nyarlathotep. Mm-hmm. Black Wind, the Bloated Woman. Yep. It was great. It was And, it was and, and this was set in ancient China. Yes. Just, just so people know. Which was one of the few... Might be the first one I've read that's been set in, in China. And, yeah. I know you pointed it out to me because I, I, I do have a love for all things. You do. Medieval I, I knew you were going to... I, I was fully expecting you to be reading that one immediately when I told you that. Yeah. The only thing I was missing was uh, Flying Swordsman. So, if you write a sequel to Emperor Eternal... Flying Swordsman. Flying Swordsman. Yes. Please. And, and, have, and have Dr. D get... Or Inspector D. Detective D. Ooh. Ronnie's going to write a story now. No, no. I, I am not confident enough in my abilities to pull off uh, DG as a character. And how cool would that be, though? What? Uh, detect- Inspector Judge D versus the Mythos? Yeah. It would be awesome. It would be more awesome than Sherlock Holmes versus the Mythos because Judge D kicks Sherlock Holmes' ass three days out of the week. And we're talking about D, not Dredd. Right. Judge D, not Judge not, Dredd. Who's also a D. Right. So I'm sure Judge Dredd could also kick some Mythos' ass. Because, you know. Judge Death and all. Because he is the law. He is the law, yeah. <laughs> that which is dead can stay dead, punk. <laughs> Double webby. <laughs> All right, so, yeah, go out and buy as many copies of this book as you can afford. Or just buy your own But Before Miskatonic University, like, like, tries to claim them all for the special collection. Right, or before they get ripped apart by S.T. Josie. Now, yeah, well, that's not really a segue. The segue I was going to use was, uh, speaking of books that you should buy immediately. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I haven't read this book, but by Cthulhu Khan, just to spite that fucker. Okay, so give a, give a little background on this. Okay, so, uh, well, it was like in November. Mm-hmm. There was a dust-up between St. the Gatekeeper Joshi, Lovecraftian scholar and blowhard, and a bunch of authors. Mm-hmm. A lot of these authors, and it was all about the uh, the awards. Ah, yes, the extension of Headgate. Yes. So this all comes back to the uh, what is it? The World Fantasy Awards. Mm-hmm. So the World Fantasy Awards had the bust of Howie, and there was a petition to take Howard's bust away as the physical form of the award because Howard was a fucking racist and a lot of people who are not wasps are now writing weird fiction and science fiction. Right. And fantasy. And and the argument was is that Howie does not represent the current crop right. of, of writers. So 
SC got his panties in a bunch and went on this boycott slash raid rant about a, a bunch of authors who are part of this new weird who were supporting the removal of this virus. A lot of these authors appeared in Cthulhu Pathan. Edited by Ross Lockhart. Edited by Ross E. Lockhart. Right. So, so really, yeah. Excellent. Now, yeah, I mean, it seems like... Available from Word Correct. And uh, there'll be, I'll put a link in the show notes to this one as well. Um, yeah, the, the review that he wrote... I have it here, if you want. You have it here? Well, I, I really don't want to, like, soil our, our airwaves with, with the... Uh, you know, the weak farts of a deflated whoopee cushion. He basically decides to disparage all the stories of his enemies and mm -hmm. inflate the, or I won't say inflate because I haven't read it, and give, you know, kudos to the people who didn't piss him off and his friends. Right. I'm not saying that the stories are good. I'm not saying the stories are bad because I have not read the book. Mm -hmm. I have read some of the authors that he's complaining about, and I find what he is saying versus what I've read of them to be hard to believe. As, as a matter of fact, he has praised these authors in the past before the dust-up in November. Mm -hmm. So it's less like an honest, legitimate review and more like I'm taking my petty beef out in this public forum. Yes. Uh, because the, exactly because you're right. The table of contents of this book reads like a hit list. Yeah, it's fantastic. And yet, now, speaking of, because there is a connection here, uh, Scott Jones has a story in this book. Yes, he does. Um, it is called Assemblage Point. Uh, Word Horde released an audio of it before Necronomicon 2015, and I got to re I got to listen to it before before I left on the trip, and it's a fantastic story. I mean, if 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 you're not familiar with Jones's fiction work, this is an excellent introduction. Cthulhu Sattva is an excellent uh, look at his. Editorial skills is 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 a deafness at putting together a book. Assemblage point is an excellent look at his storytelling. Yeah, all you need to do is hear his mixtape, and he's a triple threat. <laughs> That's right. He is a triple threat. We've had him on the show. He's he's and he's a great guy. No, he is. He is a really, he's one of my favorite um, friends that I've only met once. Mm-hmm. And you know, assemblage point is a, is the type of story. That you know, it it kind of it twists a lot of the Lovecraftian tropes. Plus, there is this just really dark sense of humor throughout the entire story that I really enjoyed. There were points where I actually laughed aloud while I was listening because I'm a sick bastard. <laughs> Not you. <laughs> Not you. You're reasonable. Level-headed, all. You're my paragon of sanity. You were if, my rock, man. If, if if I were playing Delta Green and I was about to snap, I'd go to you to get my 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 uh, sanity points back. Well, sorry guys, 
Embrace the black gnosis. <laughs> Embrace the black gnosis. I can no longer rely on Rodney when I reach my breaking point. So yeah, so to to counter the the fucking asinine vitriol of St. Joshi, we're recommending everybody go out and buy. Say it yeah, for me, but Steve. Buy, but buy Cthulhu Sattva first if it's a choice. Right. Buy Cthulhu Sattva. If it's a choice, buy Cthulhu Sattva. If you have, if you can spend money on both, get them both. Yeah, boy. Yeah. So that about that wraps it up for this episode. Um. Monday, we will be back doing Chaosium's organized play event, A Time to Harvest, run by Nick. Ten. Team Benny. <laughs> um, Team Rolf. <laughs> um, yeah, so that'll be, that'll be Monday night. Friday will be another installment of Friday Fungi, Shadows mm -hmm. of the Dogs of Thoth. TPK. That's right, with James the TPK King. Uh, they are 19, this will be 19 episodes they're into Shadows of Yorks. They're Yorks. almost so, done. Nice. <laughs> you got, well, I'm sorry. But you're on you don't want to tell everybody they're done. But uh, yeah, check out He check did tell me we were getting close, though. Yeah. So to catch up on all of that, to catch up on A Time to Harvest or any of the, the role-playing stuff, uh, to check up, catch up on back episodes of Microphones of Madness, go to microphonesofmadness.wordpress.com. Uh, all of the episodes are there, uh, plus links to the upcoming live streams, including this one. So yes. if you're on the page, you're watching from there. And my rant about, my original rant about S.T. Josie. Yes, yes. There's there's also plenty of articles on uh, gaming. There's an article by Kim on Lovecraftian horror. There's an article by Steve ranting at St. Joshi again. There's a memorial to David Bowie. There's a lot of crap. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of great stuff. Just you know, like general geekery. Yes. On this on this site. Um, yeah. So next week we'll be back 9:30 Eastern time. Wardrobe malfunctions allowing. For part two. <laughs> For part two, where we look at the second half of right. the Fumasapa. And, and then 40 years later, we'll do the gender-bent version of the Fumasapa review. <laughs> and everybody will say we ruined their childhood. Uh. You do not... I don't, gender has nothing to do with whether or not you're a Fumasapa. You can be, but I think he means that by that time, two of us will be women and only one of us will be a man. No, I was referring to Ghostbusters. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well. Speaking of which, before, before I close, I'll edit this out later. I managed to snag a copy of the uh, West End Games Tobin Spirit Guide for Ghostbusters. Oh, right on. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Um, one, the one that just came out? Uh, no, 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 no. The one that just came out, the, the old PDF for the Western games. That's funny. That's like, I was thinking about that today. I was like, it's just like the fucking Necronomicon. But cooler because it's it's read by Ego. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so that's that's all for now. Thanks for watching. Uh, don't forget to like and subscribe. Uh, you can catch the podcasts on iTunes and Google Play. Just pop in. Or just Podbean. Mm -hmm. Either way, you're okay. Or head on over to the, the blog that I linked earlier. 
and uh, you can watch it by sh listen by show. And until next time, say goodnight, Gracie. Goodnight, Gracie. Goodnight, Gracie, dear. Yes, of course. Yes. Downton Abbey doesn't give a shit. Yeah.